The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. This morning, our focus is on our mission as a church. Our mission is our marching orders. Our mission is to glorify God by growing in Christ, growing together, and going to our world. This is the lens that we look at everything with. All of our ministries at our church should fulfill these functions. All of our efforts as a body us together as a church should be targeting these objectives. If you notice in this statement, there are two parts to our mission. One part is more inward focused, and the other is more externally focused. There's a balance that needs to happen with this mission. We can focus so heavily inward, we often forget about going outward. We can often focus so much on ourselves and our growth that we can often miss that there is a world outside which is dying and going to hell. We can also focus so heavily outward that we forget that we in here as well need to have growth. There's a healthy place of internal and external focus. This morning, however, we are going to focus the majority of our time externally, outward. We are a church that holds the word of God to a very high regard. And this morning, we will be centering centering ourselves around the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to grab them. Turn with me, scroll with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This morning, we're taking a one-week pause in our journey through 1 Timothy. We've been in the book of 1 Timothy for quite a while now, and we will continue that next week. But this week, this is a special week for us. This is Mission Sunday, as I said. The Sunday is a week that we set aside every year, and this morning, it's going to be, I think, especially special. We will look at this text of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and see what God has already said to us and discuss what he is saying to us even today. Let me read our text this morning, and then we will get started. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll begin uh, in verse 17. Let's take this in. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, will you pray with me this morning? 
God, we rest on your revealed word to us. Father, I rest on your revealed word. Father, I ask that anything I say, Father, will, will be truth from your word. God, we ask, Lord, that even in the midst of these few moments we have together, God, that you would pierce our hearts. Father, that you would continually chip away, Father, at the rough spots within us. Father, we ask that you would mobilize us. God, that you would use us for your mission. Father, we ask that your spirit would enable us, give us strength and power. Father, give us the push in the right direction. Father, we ask this in your son's name. Amen. So first we are called a new creation, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is describing regeneration. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. What does it mean to be in Christ? This is describing the power of God. It's the power of God to save us, to make us new. It's the power of God to give us new life, life abundantly, life eternally. This describes our new identity in Christ. Who were you before Christ? Do you remember that person? For some of you, that person is easily remembered. For others, you might have been walking with Christ for so long that maybe you don't even remember who that person was or what that person was like. Regardless of whether it was yesterday or a lot of yesterdays ago, you can distinctly remember that person or not. We were all the same. That person, for each one of us, whether it was yesterday or 50 years ago, is the same. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, And you, that's all of us, were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath." Like the rest of mankind. Regeneration is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of giving spiritual life to dead individuals. It is the old man, the old heart, the old mind passing away. It is dead. It is crucified with Christ. And what that means is that in Christ, all of your past sins, all of your past failures... All of them, all your mistakes, all your shame, all of your guilt, all of your burdens, all of it, all of it has been replaced by new life in Christ. He has satisfied. Now, I don't know everybody's story here. I don't know where each one of you currently are with Christ. I don't know if you have acknowledged your own sin and you have placed your trust in Christ to completely take your sin and in turn to give you his righteousness. 
This is, in fact, the great mystery of the gospel that we get to see through Scripture. And behold, the new has come, risen to walk in the newness of life. This is the power of God for salvation. This is why I love the next five words in our text. Verse 18, all this is from God. I love the way that Matthew Barrett says it. He says this. This is not a work in which man contributes, but is a work of God alone. Much as an infant receives no credit for being born, man receives no glory from being regenerated by God. This is all from God. Yesterday, I had the privilege of being with Justin and Candace for the birth of Haven. My wife and I were there in the waiting room, and um, you're, you're anxiously waiting for news of any news. Uh, the hospital that we were at plays this lovely little jingle every time that a child is born. Uh, there were three families that were all in anticipation and waiting, and all three of us have a little bit of news, but not enough news for each one of us to truly be satisfied. And that noise comes on, and there's excitement, and we don't know who's whose baby has been born or, or what's happening. Um, praise God, first of all, for the miracle of life. Praise God that he has designed us and, and given us the opportunity to celebrate life. Not everyone gets to experience that miracle. Second, yesterday, Haven had nothing to do in her birth. In fact, she came in kicking and screaming. She was not very happy to leave the warm, comfortable place that she has been for usually nine months, in this case, eight-ish months. There was a lot of work that went into yesterday, but none of it was from Haven. She just got to be a part of what was happening. Verse 18 says, all this is from God. And now listen to this. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, reconcile to reconcile. Reconciliation. We see this word in this text as both a noun and a verb. A verb, I'll take you back to grammar. A verb is an action. It's what you are doing. A noun, person, place, thing, idea. In this text, we see reconciled, reconciliation. We see it as verb and a noun. And here is what it means. The noun, it's the reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. The verb, the exchange of hostility for a friendly relationship. Please don't rush past this. Just sit in this for just a second. Sometimes we can stop at the idea of justification, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We are forgiven of our sin through Christ. Praise God for that truth. Let's never forget that truth. But let's also remember not to stop there. You are not reconciled to God so that you may sit here. You are not reconciled to God so that you may sit in a comfy chair and, and do nothing else. I love the reminder that C.E.B. Cranfield gives us. He says this, 
Justification is a judicial term used in the law courts. A judge may acquit an accused person without ever entering into any personal relationship with him or her. He just announces the verdict, not guilty. The accused hardly expects to be invited over for dinner by the judge and probably hopes that he will never see him again. He continues, the shift to the reconciliation metaphor takes what God has done through Christ a step further. The judge enters into a personal relationship with the accused. God did not simply make a bookkeeping alteration by dropping the charges against us. God gives himself to us in friendship. Because of our extreme hostility toward God, this investment is accomplished at unspeakable cost. In Christ, we don't just receive the not guilty verdict. We are invited into a friendship, into a relationship, a restoration of the right relationship with God. This is reconciliation, and God does all of that. This is what we have in Christ. This is the message that we have to proclaim to the world. To the reconciled today, you have been reconciled for the ministry of reconciliation. I'll say that again. You have been reconciled for the ministry of reconciliation. To use these def definitions and uh, to put this all in play, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us, who through Christ exchanged the hostility for a friendly relationship and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, gave us the ministry of the reestablishment of uninterrupted and broken relationships. This is our calling. In fact, we see three things here. I'll say it again and again this morning. First, God did this. God is the one who redeems and who reconciles mankind. Reconciliation comes solely at God's initiative. Second, God accomplishes this through Christ. He acted through Christ's death, and Christ alone is the means of reconciliation. And three, God continues to act through those who have been reconciled. Those who have been reconciled have the privilege and the responsibility to share in this great mission, to share in this great call. Not as active agents, not that we reconcile people or that we are even able to reconcile people. We don't have that power. Only God does that. But we are called to point others to God through Christ and to call others to be reconciled to God. This is our call. This is our mission. Paul continues in the text, verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ 
reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Notice he didn't trust the power of reconciliation. He didn't entrust the work of reconciliation. What does he entrust to us? The message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen, God here is bringing the world back into a forgiven relationship with himself. He's doing that by the means of his message, his word. Entrusted to whom? His sent ones, his ambassadors, his messengers. What a reminder this is this morning. And what a calling that we have been given. Have you ever lived somewhere foreign, somewhere different? In, in most areas that you live that are foreign or different, there, there are oftentimes what are known as ambassadors. If you live in a foreign country, typically you will find an ambassador of some sorts. We here live in Texas. We have many ambassadors. I don't know how many of you are willingly raising your hands. You say, I'm an ambassador of California. It seems like everybody's moving from California. You might not say, I'm an ambassador of California. You should. We need to, to have some positive influence there. I'm an ambassador myself. I'm an ambassador from the great state of Missouri. And it is Missouri, not Missouri. It is Missouri. Missouri is always going to be home for me. It's, it's where I grew up. It's where my childhood memories are. I am an ambassador of the state of Missouri. I'm a visual representation for Missouri. The good, the bad, the bald, the ugly, I'm the representation of Missouri. Christ calls us, the reconciled, to be ambassadors. We represent Christ. We represent Christ to everyone around us. This is intentional representation and oftentimes unintentional representation. I was talking to one of our elders, one of my friends the other day, uh, and he was actually stopped in the checkout line at the store because he had on his Stone Oak Bible t-shirt. Someone began to ask him questions about our church. In that moment, he's acting as our ambassador of Stone Oak Bible Church. Hopefully, he was a good ambassador for our church. Would have been the impression if he was a jerk to the cashier. Would have been the impression if he decided to pick up the bill for the person in front of him in line. Our ambassadorship, not sure if that's a real word, I'm going to use it. It's something that we truly do need to consider. You, as the reconciled, are an ambassador for Christ. You are an ambassador of the gospel. Do you live your life in a way that represents Christ well? 
That's really the center. That's the core message this morning. In Scripture, it's not just that we are given some high-level theology, some high-level doctrine to, to know and to believe, the doctrine of reconciliation. It's this doctrine that we read about in Scripture or we read about it in the passages of our systematic theology books or we talk about it in the safety of uh, conversations over coffee. We're not just given this great theology for us to think about this morning. He's not only given this incredibly beautiful doctrine of reconciliation, this incredible reality of reconciliation in Christ. We're given here a task. We're given here a job. And that is the message, the ambassadors of reconciliation. Not that we are the reconcilers, because again, that is all God, but that we are truly the ambassadors of the reconciler, the ones sent out with the message of reconciliation. We're not only called to stand on the truth of reconciliation, we are called to proclaim the truth of reconciliation in Christ. We are to be reconciling ambassadors in this fallen world. What does this mean? What does this ministry mean for us? Well, James 1, chapter 22, calls us not only to hear the word, but to do the word. 2 Corinthians 5, it's not a hear alone text. It is a do text. It is a text that should impact our heads. It should work its way to our hearts, and ultimately it should work its way out through our hands. It means that when we come to Christ, we are taken out of our own story. We are no longer living for ourselves. That's the old life. The story that we were living, the story that was all about us, the story of leading to death, to hell, and to brokenness, praise God, we are taken out of that story. The old has passed away. The new life has come. And we are placed in this huge, beautiful story of God. We are placed in the story of reconciliation that we have seen on playing throughout history. We're given a new life in Christ. We're given a new story. It's not our story. It does not revolve around us, but it is God's story. It is God using us and working through us so that now through Christ, we are placed in this story that is bigger than ourselves. We are now the messengers of reconciliation. We are reconciled to reconcile. How incredible is that truth? This means that in Christ, as the church, as individuals in Christ, we represent the message of the gospel, the hope of the gospel to a watching world. We represent God's message of peace in and through Christ, and we represent God's restoration to the world. This incredibly true story that we are living out, God is saving sinners like us. And he is making all things new. All of this brokenness will be mended. Justice will be perfectly established through him. God is doing that. And we represent his message and that restoration in this fallen world. We are messengers in this story. This is the ministry 
that you have been given. Whether you're in full-time ministry or not, it doesn't matter. I want you to know you are in full-time ministry because who has called you to this ministry? Who has equipped you for this ministry? God. God has both called you and equipped you. Trust me, I know myself, I do not deserve to be his messenger. I do not deserve to be a part of his story. But in Christ, God has called me. God loves me. God loves you. And in Christ, God has called you to this ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, this is your ministry. There's not some normal level of Christianity and this elite level of Christianity for those who are called to this ministry. No, in Christ, this is your ministry. This is the ministry of the local church, but it's only because it is the ministry of the local believer. That is you. Our church can do a thousand programs. We can do a thousand ministries, but they don't matter unless the individuals, us, we participate in the ministry of reconciliation. In fact, this morning, I get the privilege of discussing some of these ministries. These ministries are simply a trellis for the vines of reconciliation. That is all that they are. You have been reconciled. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been redeemed As the psalm says, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is our call. This is our mission in Christ and in this life. Church, this Sunday is Mission Sunday. Maybe you've been to a church service before that was all about missions. Listen, my goal this morning um, is not to guilt you. My, My goal this morning is not for you to walk away saying, wow, that really hurt. You need to tell more people about Jesus. Shame on you if you haven't. Do more. That's probably true, but that's not my purpose this morning. There's jokes that pastors tell, which usually aren't very funny. And one of them is that there are three sermons that you can preach to make your people feel guilty. One is on prayer. One is on giving. And one is on evangelism. Why do people feel guilt whenever you mention these three three things most often? It's because we know what we should be doing and we choose not to do it. That's why we often feel guilt whenever it comes to prayer, to giving, and to evangelism. The goal this morning is not to make you feel guilty, but possibly that's the Spirit of God. It's also not my goal to give you some false comfort. We are not all good. You cannot just continue to live your life. Neither of these things are my goal today. My goal today is the same goal it is every single Sunday. It's to point you to Christ. That is, that is the, the purpose of this pulpit. That is the purpose of our church, is every Sunday to point you to Christ. That you would understand what Christ has done for you in reconciling you. That you would understand that God has placed you in this new story. That he has given you a new life. A story that is so much bigger than you. That in Christ, God has placed you in ministry. This is a mission that's so much greater than you. You are messengers. You. If you're listening to my voice, you. If you're online, you. You, as the reconciled, are messengers. You are the one who is sent. 
And you are the one who is called to send. Both sent and sending for the glory of God. This means, again, we must always point to something beyond ourselves. We don't point to ourselves or to what we're doing for Christ. We don't make this about us, but we point to what our God has done in Christ and what he continues to do. We are called to be active in this ministry. So where do we begin? You have heard from me that you are reconciled. You now have a ministry of reconciliation. What does that actually mean for you? This is often the hardest part of most things. Starting. I have some. That's not true. I have a lot of house projects that need to get done around our house. Home ownership is great. House projects are not. You know the hardest part of every single one of those projects? Starting. That's the hardest part of every single one of my house projects. Starting them. This morning, I want to put three ways that you can practically engage in this mission. You, as an individual. I'm speaking to us as a church, but I'm speaking to you personally, as an individual, that you get to engage in this this morning. These are tangible ways for you to engage on Mission Sunday. Mission Sunday, you might have thought it was about us as a church. Turns out, no, it's about you as an individual being on mission. These things are church-wide. However, they are not for the church as an organization to do. They're designed for the church as a group of individuals to do. Which each of these, with each of these three things, um, we will in some way be modeling Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For the hearers in this text, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, this represents a gradual zooming out, a gradual expansion. It is the same for us this morning. It would be like us saying our neighborhood, our city of San Antonio, our state of Texas, our nation, our world. It just continues to zoom out. This morning, I'm going to put three ways to engage in this mission before you. Each one will zoom out just a little bit more. Number one, let's start here. I'm not pointing to anything. I'm I'm saying physically, let's start here, right here. Start with you. Let's start in our neighborhoods. Let's start in our communities. You know, whenever we think of mission, it's easy to think of missionaries out there. It's easy to think of mission fields out there, which are important. The nations matter. We will get to that this morning. But hear me. You have been placed here for a reason. You live in the neighborhood you live for a reason. You work where you work. You go to school where you go to school for a reason. What does our text say? Well, because you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Where does that begin? That begins where you are. And this ministry that you have been given has two parts. It's the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's also to work to bring peace into our communities. These are really two sides of the same coin. 
We don't want to only do good to people. If we are ashamed of the gospel, if we're ashamed of this message, if we don't understand that the goodness that we do is tied directly to the work of Christ, then we've missed it. And we don't want to only tell them the gospel message if we're unwilling to love them with word and with action the way Christ has called us to. If we don't care for their suffering or for their needs, we have missed it. The gospel is concerned with the complete person. Listen, you have been placed here for a reason. You have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Simply put, you are to tell people the message of Christ. You are also to love your neighbor as yourself. This means that your neighbor matters. This means that your community matters. Your workmates, your classmates, your friends, they matter. And hear me, God has sent you there. He has sent you right where you are. We shouldn't be waiting for anyone else to come. Why? Because God has sent you. He has sent us. He has sent you to be his ambassador. You don't need to wait or to wonder who will come. It is you. So I want, you to give you, I want to give you an action step here. At the most immediately, the most immediate, seemingly small level, this comes from a book called The Art of Neighboring. It's a book that just calls us to take Jesus seriously and to love our neighbors well. It sounds very simple, and it is. Our staff and elders actually walked through this book, and the, the book had a lot to think about within, within its context. But there's a simple exercise that is in this book that I think was the best part of the entire book. It's so simple. And I think the book is worth the money just because of this diagram. It looks like this. Imagine your house, your physical house, where you actually live, is in that middle box. It's the free space on bingo. Imagine your house is right there in the middle. Each of the boxes outside represents a neighbor, the neighbors who physically live around you, the neighbors who are next door to you, the neighbor to the right's on the right, the neighbor in front of you is in front of you, the neighbor behind you is behind you. It's pretty simple. Imagine your house in the middle and your neighbors surrounding you. In each box, you see three letters, A, B, and C. A is a line just for the names, for the first names, or if you know of it, first and last names of your neighbor. B is just for your basic information about your neighbors, some facts about them, where they're from, what do they do, what are some of their hobbies. And then line C, this is the more uh, in-depth information. This is where you would write, what are their career plans? What are their dreams? What are their family dreams? What are their family plans? What motivates them? This is where you write the why behind all the things. Their belief in God. What do they fear? What do they hope for? Surveys show that only 10% of people can fill out line A, first and last name, for all eight boxes of their neighbors. Meaning 10% of people know eight of their neighbors' names. Line B, that number drops to about 3%. 3% could know some additional information about their neighbor beyond just their, their name. And C, it's less than 1%. 1% 
meaning less than 1% truly know who their neighbors actually are on a deeper level. Again, this is not to guilt you or to shame you. I don't know how any of you would do on this exercise. But here's the thing. Jesus called you to love your neighbors. In Luke 10, there's a parable that Jesus says, and he's asked, who is my neighbor? And to summarize it, it's the people that you interact with. Those are your neighbors. However, the people right next door, those are your neighbors in a very real and tangible way. Jesus reconciled you. Jesus gave you the ministry of reconciliation. To whom? To your neighbors. It's very difficult to do that if we are closed off, if we don't even know who our neighbors are. This might not be what you were expecting to hear on Mission Sunday at church. However, this is our mission. This is your mission. Nobody else is perfectly placed to reach their neighbors, to reach your neighbors like you are. God has sent you. We shouldn't be waiting for anyone else to come. God has sent you. So our first challenge this morning, simply work. Fill in the names of your neighbors. Fill in your chart. A, B, C, A, first names, last names. B, Something I know about them. Where are they from? Why are they here? And then see, what's the why behind them? What motivates them? What's their faith like? Eight neighbors. It sounds like a lot. It is. Start with one. Just be simple. Don't do all eight today. Start with one. If you'd like a printable version of this, or you would like to... Uh, get a phone background. There's your QR codes. You're in church. Usually phones are like, no, no, don't take them out. You can take out your phones. It's not going to bother me one bit. I have kids. They rarely listen to me anyways. It's okay. Grab your phones. The top one will give you just a printable version if you want to go home and, and print it out. The bottom one, my suggestion, is you just save that image as the background to your phone. Simple as that. The, the single device that we pick up multiple times a day Gives you the opportunity as you look at that to just be reminded of what God has called you to. Begin to love your neighbors the way that Christ has loved you. This is the simplest version. This is what it means to be on mission. Start with one. You have been loved by God, so love them. You have been reconciled, so be about reconciliation for the glory of the God and the good of our neighbors. The truth is, is that you have been saved by Christ. And now you have been placed in your neighborhood as a messenger, as an ambassador of Christ. You've been placed in your neighborhood, neighborhood as a minister of reconciliation. All right, that was the very first way to engage in mission. Start here. Start with you. Start now. Start today. Whenever you get home, bake some cookies. Maybe invite somebody, invite a neighbor over for dinner. Start in your own neighborhood. Start there. By the way, quick note here. You might have noticed a new sign in our lobby as you walked in. You might have noticed the whole lobby has changed. We're trying to do some things, make it a little bit more fluid and easier to get in. But we also have a new sign in there. Uh, we have a sign in our lobby uh, that is about our land. We have a desire to build a permanent location. This is not something extra. 
The reason we, would, we desire to do this is because it's tied directly to our mission. We want to do this because we want to be rooted deeply in our community. We want to build a permanent location because we want to love our neighbors and to be a gospel light in our community for the long haul. We want to root ourselves here. There's nothing special about a physical building. We see our location, including this location that you are currently sitting in, as simply a tool. That's all that it is. The tool that we have right now, we are renting. We desire for our tool to be a permanent fixture in the community we're trying to reach. This mission of engaging our community, of engaging our neighborhood, this is for you individually. It's not for your neighbor sitting next to you. It's not for the people before you or behind you. It's for you in Christ. This is for us as well as the church. God cares about this because this is our mission together. This is our community together. We have been reconciled and in Christ, we have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. And all of this is from God. Now let's take a second and zoom out some. I want to put another way for you to engage in this mission of reconciliation. I'm excited to introduce you to a new ministry this morning um, that we are very proud to partner with as a church. This ministry is a 2 Corinthians 5 ministry. This is a ministry of reconciliation. This ministry is called Global Fingerprints. Global Fingerprints was established in 2006. It was originally set up with the mission to help local churches serve orphans of the AIDS epidemic in the Democratic Republic of Congo. That's how it started. Since then, by the grace and the power of God, it has expanded to serve children and to serve churches in several, several countries around the globe. Their mission is powerful and it is straightforward. It's to transform the most vulnerable children in the world with the fingerprint of Christ. This means a lot for us as a church. You will see that your kids, if you sent them off, are coming right back to you right now. Reason being, this is not an adult-only thing. This is not just for a mom and dad. Our hope is this is for all of us as believers. Global Fingerprints accomplishes their mission through child sponsorships. Child sponsorships is one of the most effective ways to help children who feel the very effects of poverty. But here's the thing. This is what excites me about Global Fingerprints. What I think makes them different. As soon as you hear me say sponsor and child, you're probably thinking of a couple of organizations. Okay? There's something about Global Fingerprints that I absolutely love, that our leadership absolutely loves, and it's really the thing that has drawn us to them. They're about meeting both the spiritual and the physical needs of children, and this is the key. They're about the local church. That is how they accomplish this. It is building up the church for the glory of God. When a child is sponsored through Global Fingerprints, they, Global Fingerprints, will regularly assess the spiritual, nutritional, medical, and educational needs of that child. They use the sponsorship funds to supplement these areas as the individual needs arise, and they empower the local church to meet those needs. 
This puts children on a path to escape the cycle of poverty. And again, physical needs are just a portion of what they aim to support. As I say repeatedly, they believe every child's relationship with Christ is their most vital need. That's why they commit to serving sponsored children through the ministry of a local church. This is huge. This is unique. This is so powerful. This is what has really drawn us to this ministry. Child sponsorship is just one piece of an overall strategy to plant and to strengthen healthy churches around the world. In fact, in some cases, the child sponsorship program is giving church planters access to areas they could not reach otherwise. They have an inroad to meeting physical needs so they can then allow the gospel to saturate the hearts. We are excited to be partnering with Global Fingerprints because they're offering a way that we can get involved in this, get involved in this ministry of reconciliation. We spoke with George. He's all the way in the very back. He's representing Global Fingerprints with us today. He has a little tiny table out in the lobby area, and he'll be with us all day today. Um, as we discussed where our church would partner with Global Fingerprints, um, we were proposed an area of great need. And so we've decided to focus our efforts here as Stone Oak Bible Church on this one area of Haiti. I just want to read this because this is the need in Haiti. This comes directly from Boots on the Ground in Haiti. They say this, Haiti, the most populous country in the Caribbean, has a rich and tumultuous history. Since the arrival of Christopher Columbus in 1492, this island nation has battled with itself, European colonists, pirates, slaveholders, and corrupt politicians. More recently, the country experienced an earthquake in 2010 that killed over 250,000 people, a cholera outbreak, and a socioeconomic and political crisis that has left the country with no elected government officials and rampant gang violence. The country has been described as a failed state. Haiti has the lowest human development index in the Americas, and three quarters, 75% of the population live on $2 or less per day. Haiti is a very tough place to live. It's an even tougher place to be a child. The evangelical church in Haiti is one of a very few organizations that remains strong, principled, and is positioned to help reach the very weakest. Global Fingerprints has partnered with three of these stronger churches in Haiti. One in Port-au-Prince, one in Jan Jan, and one in Carpentier. Global Fingerprints equips these churches to be able to minister to the most vulnerable children. Did you hear what Global Fingerprints does? Equips these churches to be able to minister to the most vulnerable children. This is gospel work that they get to do. Sponsorship helps these churches to be able to provide for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of these children. Transforming communities in the name of Jesus and strengthening the local 
church. The need is great in Haiti. Haiti faces significant challenges today. But understand, the opportunity is also great. Why? Because we have churches, we have church plants that are healthy and thriving on the ground of Haiti. So, as we target this area, we're going to be able to partner directly with these churches to help meet this pressing need to sponsor children. This is what we, as the local church, get to do with the local church in Haiti. We get to build and strengthen these churches. We get to participate in the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the action step for us this morning. Two things. First, Global Fingerprints is now a partner in ministry with us as Stone Oak Bible Church. First, I want to call all of us to prayer. The need is great. The challenge of Haiti is great. But we serve a God that is so much greater. Would you join me? Would you join our church in praying for this nation? George with Global Fingerprints, he'll be in the lobby after service, and he would love to connect you with their newsletter of Global Fingerprints. Church, let's pray for this ministry. Let's pray for this nation. Second, I want you to consider partnering with them financially. Global Fingerprints is a sponsorship program for children. For $39 a month, you can be a part of this ministry, and you can sponsor a child in Haiti. In many cases, you get to receive updates from your child, and you possibly have the, the opportunity to even respond to them. And again, you're partnering with the local church in Haiti. You're strengthening their ability to care for the needs of their community. You aren't just partnering with Global Fingerprints by sponsoring a child, but you're partnering by sponsoring a child through the aspect and through the, the work of a local church. I want to encourage you to pray to consider how you can partner. George and Global Fingerprints are here with us today. They will be in the lobby. I, want you to encourage, I would encourage you to connect with, with George, connect with Global Fingerprints. They'll be here to help and answer any questions that you might have. And today, you can walk out of here and sponsor a child. If you think, I would like to wait, you have that opportunity as well. If you're joining us online this morning, this is not just for an in-person audience, you can go to globalfingerprints.org. You can sign up directly from there if you're joining us online. Let's get involved.